All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together once again as family in the unity of the faith, the unity that is yours to give that really embodies who you are, for you are one, you are unity. Thank you for this opportunity, Father. Thank you for the inspired word that continues to give to us day in and day out. Thank you for keeping us in your grace and your love and for keeping it all simple, for revealing to us the complexities are man-made and that your plan for our lives is actually very simple, Father. Thank you for scraping away all the dung from our souls, all the scar tissue as necessary as individuals and as a congregation, Father. Thank you so much for doing this good work as painful as it is if we persevere as your word promises us we've given we are given this wonderfully great hope regarding your promises and even things to come thank you for giving us eternal life father for that was also yours to give and thank you for solving the problem the obstacle that stood between us and eternal life and eternal fellowship with you Thank you for sending your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to cancel out that debt. We do just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, this morning's message title is A Year in Review, The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think you'd have to be... Uh, mentally absent, not to understand why the second part of this morning's title is there. Um, the entire year and even going back to last September or two Septembers ago has been focused on the gospel proper, just getting it right. Before we dig in, though, I want to e read an email from a pastor friend uh, of mine in Africa, uh, in response to the latest blog, which is titled Loyalty Rather Than Sacrifice. And I just want you to be encouraged by it. Never met the individual, but there's a certain obvious love uh, that he has to give. Six months ago, this is him, six months ago, somebody came looking very sick. He wanted me to lend him some money to enable him to go to the hospital. I told him I had some money which was meant for school fees for my children. He pleaded uh, with me until I gave him the money. He went to the hospital and got treatment and got better. The man has never come back to me and, and has blacklisted me. So when I call, he can't reply to my call. Isn't this what we do to God? How often do we go to him appearing loyal, but when he helps us, we completely divorce him from our lives? Thanks, man of God, for your time that we have shared for the whole year. As we leave 2016 behind, I anticipate more intimate relationships, which is you going to visit us 
and share with us face to face. Maybe he's a prophet. I know it is expensive to make a trip, but we can't afford talking behind walls. We really long to see you. I wish you a happy and prosperous 2017. Pastor Joshua Mokua. He's down in Africa. Um, there's a lot of love in this world that stems from the God of love. There's a lot um, to be said that's going on outside of these four walls. And that's why I share these types of correspondences with you. I can say that I love this man, and I've never met him. I don't love him like a brother necessarily, but I love him. I don't know him personally. I haven't walked with him. I haven't spoken with him. But I love him. Why? Because he's my brother in Christ. So I'm not sure about you, but I cannot wait to meet all the people like him in heaven. Amen? It's going to be fun, isn't it? Because it seems like we always meet people we don't really like that much and that frankly don't like us before we even have a chance to like them back that's the world the world hates us that's what jesus said it would do so i can't wait to meet people that love jesus that just want to worship him that's going to be magnificent changing gears to the lesson proper again a year in review the gospel of jesus christ I'm always curious uh, as to how the Spirit's going to end a year, um, and particularly considering the fact that we just finished off the following. This was a big year. This was the biggest year of all years with this congregation. A year plus in review, and I'm going obviously back to September of 2015, where we, as I like to say, reloaded the gospel itself. Starting back then, we had 117 parts on the gospel, salvation, and sanctification. And then after all that good work was done, he said, I want to tie up some loose ends. I want to make sure that I drive some things home for this congregation, little stumbling blocks that might still have existed in individual souls. And so he led us into the so-called difficult passages. We had four parts on the Gospels and the Gospel context. We had six parts on believing itself. And then we just finished up 30 parts on grace and works. What a magnificent year it's been. A tremendously edifying year. Before we even get into this morning's lesson, we were given the opportunity to share as a congregation on Thursday evening regarding sharing. Go to Luke 6.44. Thursday evening was a special message if you didn't catch it. Obviously, it wasn't recorded, so um, if you weren't here, you didn't get it. But it was a special time for all of us that attended. And I'll share uh, 
some more thoughts on that. Because that was titled uh, 2016 Congregational Reflection. Luke 6.44, For each tree is known by its fruit, for men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. Verse 45. 6.45. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that from which fills his heart. One of the key elements of this past year has been the human heart. And here's scripture on the subject. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. For those of you, again, who weren't able to make Thursday evening, may I say thank you. Uh, For those of you who were able to make it Thursday, I say thank you for sharing as you did and know, the rest of you, as well as you, that it is likely the Spirit will guide us to have a, quote, congregational reflection roundtable at the close of every year moving forward. That would be nice. So let's pray on that. He's probably going to make a fool of me for saying such a thing a year out. He's like, really? I don't even give you two days most times. But we'll pray for it because it was a lot of fun, and it was very uh, uplifting. Just reflecting, one of the most effective tools in teaching is often not garnered from pulpits. While the spiritual gift of pastor is a tremendous one, never to be taken lightly or dismissed in our lives, there are many other viable ways that the Lord teaches His own sheep. Thursday evening's gathering was one way. It was a lot like the Bible studies. That's not a pulpit scenario either, but there's an awful lot of learning, a lot of perspective shared. Um, So the Spirit doesn't always teach us just from the pulpit. And Thursday evening's gathering was just one or another way of driving that point home. The Spirit wants me to share the framework from Thursday evening this morning as we kick off the new year. The format was simple. Four questions answered anonymously, followed by an open, what could only be called family discussion, on as many as we could get to. So let me just share those four questions with you, and I've got a couple of responses to each. The first question, and again, I just basically handed a blank sheet of paper with four questions on it to every person that walked in the door and said, fill this out. And people are like, oh, oh, oh. I didn't know this was going to be graded. Oh. People are funny. I'm like, no grading. It's just sharing. There's no right or wrong answer. Just get it right. (laughs) There's no right or wrong answer. Come on. Unless you say something stupid. You know. Which happens. But anyways. Here's the first question. 
What has been the major theme the Spirit has impressed upon you over the past year? What has been the major theme the Spirit has impressed upon you over the past year? And I'll just, again, share with you a couple of responses from those that did share. Uh, answer One answer to question number one, that theme. Quote, understanding the gospel fully and completely, not to be ashamed of the gospel, making sure to give the whole gospel and not a nice version. That's one of your congregants. Again, the first question posed was, what has been the major theme the Spirit has impressed upon you over the past year? The second answer that I'll give you, and it's just, again, I'm plucking out representative answers. There were many given. Quote, when you understand that the gospel is the center of the Bible, you, quote, see everything as clear as day. Perspective, perspective, perspective. The second question I asked the congregation, again, this is a year in review. This was your chance to tell the rest of us what the Spirit did in your soul over the past year. We all know, I mean, we can go right back to the website and look at the lesson outlines, but what did the Spirit say to you? That's why it's bolded and highlighted and underlined. Number two, if, quote, humility is truly the key to the spiritual life, what does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? Well, here's one answer we got. Quote, when I don't trust in Him, I don't have humility. The spiritual life is a faith issue, plus our faith increases the more we get out of our way and trust in Him. Again, that was, if humility is truly the key to the spiritual life, what does this mean to you? When I don't trust in Him, I don't have humility. This person's knitted, these, these two things have been knitted together in this person's soul, which is a very good work. The spiritual life is a faith issue, plus our faith increases the more we get out of our way and trust in Him. Again, the question, if humility is truly the key to the spiritual life, what does this mean to you? The second answer I'll give you up here on the board, you can't ever be changed without humility. My heart has been changed not because of me, but because of our Lord. You can't ever be changed without humility. God gives grace to who? Sanctification is actually changing you. That's what it means to be set apart for God's purposes. But you can't ever be changed without humility. My heart has been changed not because of me, but because of our Lord. The third of four questions posed up here on the board was this. What's the greatest spiritual aha moment? Like when a light bulb goes off. What's the greatest spiritual aha moment you've had this year? Well, I'll share this one with you. Quote, that on one side I was adding to the gospel, and on, that's supposed to say on, and on the other side subtracting from it to appease people. Trying to bend the gospel to fit men. Again, on one side I was adding to the gospel, and on the other side subtracting from it to appease people. 
trying to bend the gospel to fit men. This person said it very succinctly. I've actually taught on this not that long ago. Love can't help but express itself. They said action. That's the aha moment for this person. Action. Love expresses itself. Period. Again, what's the greatest spiritual aha moment you've had this year? I'll give you one more on this one. Quote, it's all about the gospel proper. Not to think, does this lesson from the pulpit apply to me? But how and to what extent does this lesson apply to me? Hmm. It's all about the gospel proper, not to think, does this lesson from the pulpit apply to me, but how and to what extent does this lesson apply to me? And then the final question that I posed the congregation was this, what have all the lessons on the gospel of Jesus Christ taught or revealed to you? What have they revealed to you? I'll give you this one. <clears throat> the importance of repentance of the heart and how saving faith is a heart issue, not just a mental acknowledgement of Jesus. What have all these lessons meant to you? The importance of repentance of the heart and how saving faith is a heart issue, not just a mental acknowledgement of Jesus. And then the last one I'll give you in response to that question, what have all these lessons on the gospel of Jesus Christ taught or revealed to you? Jesus is a simple man. The gospel, his gospel, is simple too. It's about a person, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> all that incredible work hours and hours and hours of lessons. And I would absolutely agree with this person. Jesus Christ, Jesus, simple man. He wasn't complicated. We're complicated. His gospel is not complicated. We complicate it to accommodate man. It's actually very simple. And it's about a person, our Lord and Savior, so, there you have it, my friends, a good synopsis of 2016, but not from the man behind the pulpit. That's the beauty of that kind of a gathering. It wasn't even summarized by the man behind the pulpit. It was summarized by all of you, directly from the hearts of those in the congregation. This means that I've met my annual goal. Go to 1 Timothy 1.5. 1 Timothy 1.5. This is wonderful. Honestly. It's absolutely wonderful to see. Not just for me, but obviously for me. 1 Timothy 1.5. So, looking back as hard as it may have been, as difficult as some portions of it, or, or all of it maybe for some of you, was over the course of 2016, it all had a purpose. 
And as far as I'm concerned, we met it. We may have been, you know, fire, you know, uh, what do you call it, backfiring in the parking lot and, you know, complaining and rolling and, you know, screwing up here and there, but we all recovered. We all have learned to take truth on the chin. And there's nothing sweeter than truth. 1 Timothy 1.5, what is the goal? But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. You remember that was actually on our old church walking in the doorway. 1 Timothy 1.5, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. From my perspective, we met our goal. 2016, from my perspective, was a tremendous success. In some cases, an overwhelming success. I had several people tell me, I just got saved. That, my friends, is a success. One person could have told me that. And the whole year would have been a success. But several told me that. If you weren't here on Thursday, know that nobody knew ahead of time that they were going to be presented with a paper listing those four questions, which means that what they wrote wasn't contrived, researched, or prepared beforehand. Most people had five or ten minutes. Again, what they wrote is what the Holy Spirit spoke to us at the start of class. They wrote what was on their hearts. Go to Luke 6.44. Go to Luke 6.44. See, this is the dynamic of doing that to people. Don't go home and write an essay with your Bibles open. You've got five, ten minutes. Answer these four questions. You don't have much of an option other than to answer whatever's on your heart. And that's exactly what he wanted. Luke 6.44 Again, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. The mouth here is what was written down on paper. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. And just reflecting on even the underlying doctrine here, Jesus made a neutral statement here about the nature of man's heart, that while a naturally wicked heart is only able to produce wicked, unrighteous fruit, it is also just as correct to assume that a spirit-filled heart is only able to produce good, righteous fruit. So this phrase, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart, is simply a dogma, a doctrine, a credo, a maxim, etc. 
It's a statement, but it's neutral. He's not making any assumption on what's in a person's heart. He's stating a doctrine, a dogma, if you would. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. And because it is that way, a shepherd may be encouraged by the kinds of responses from the heart that were expressed on Thursday evening. That was part of my joy. That was part of other people's joy, even. Seeing how much people have grown in the family. So just sharing, and I don't mean to make it about me, but I'm just sharing, and I know many of you can relate, a shepherd's delight. A teacher's vocation is a source of great delight when he sees growth in his students. I mean, that's what we teach for. The goal of our instruction? Thursday was love. Family got together, we shared. Openly, honestly. A teacher's vocation is a source of great delight when he sees growth in his students. A shepherd's reward, even as the Bible might say, his crown, is simple. It is the joy of seeing those he loves and cares for delivered. That's a shepherd's delight. John 17, Philippians 2, 1-2, 4, 1. What I'm trying to express to you all is a sense of gratitude. But not that you've somehow made me, the shepherd, you know, look good. I met my end-year goals, going to get a bonus, going to get a kicker. Like an industry, right? That's not that at all. So, it's a sense of gratitude, but not that you've somehow made me, the shepherd, look good before our great shepherd, or anything like that. It's that I'm truly grateful for your diligence. Up here on the board, you should remember this. Your diligence bears encouraging fruit. Never underestimate your impact in this world. Never. Honorable diligence produces fruit that others may be encouraged to see. I mean, Frank's in a wheelchair, and he rolled in. Are you not encouraged? Are you not encouraged that he didn't give up? That Didi didn't give up? That they're here? That they made it here? I don't mean to point you guys out. You go, oh, my God. <laughs> Get the spotlight. But this is encouraging stuff. Do you understand? There's a reason why those things happen in our midst, because God's trying to encourage us. Yeah, he's saying it's all worth it. All that scraping, all, all the time you were complaining and moaning and groaning and, you know, resetting, it's all worth it. Never underestimate your impact in this world. Honorable diligence produces fruit that others may be encouraged to see. For those engaged in helping you along the way, your fruit becomes their fruit indirectly. Think about that. I mean, I'm a perfect example because of my gift. Obviously, my fruit is you. You are my joy and my crown. And that's good fruit when I'm encouraged by it. 
Never underestimate. Proverbs 13, 4, 10, 4, Galatians 6, 9, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, 2 Peter 1, 10. So on the topic of diligence, go to Proverbs 13, 4. We're going to go quickly through these. Proverbs 13, 4. So when we're looking back at the year 2016, as much as has happened, let's see the big picture here. That it doesn't, look, it does matter, but the fact is you're still here. You're still listening. You're still growing. You're not perfect. None of us are going to be perfect until we're in heaven. There's still a lot of stones that need to be overturned in our souls. There's still a lot of scraping for some of us. There's still a lot of of things that have to happen to us as individuals. The idea is to never quit. The, The thing that Satan wants more than anything after a person is saved is that they quit all he really wants. He's already lost them in terms of the big game. But after that, what does he want? He wants them to quit. So just don't ever quit. And that alone, that one thing, is encouraging. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. Go to Proverbs 10.4. Proverbs 10.4. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Go to Galatians 6.9. Galatians 6.9. Diligence. Sometimes that's all we have, isn't it? Left in the basket or left in the tank. It's like, well, <laughs> I'm just waste right now. Not feeling too great, not doing so well. Maybe a little bitter, maybe a little malcontent. Maybe just saying, come on, rapture! But don't quit. We all have days like that. That's the point. Galatians 6.9, let us not lose heart. In doing good. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Diligence. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 15, 58, 1 Corinthians. A lot of good things come out of diligence. That is what the Spirit is saying as we're looking back on 2016. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Just stick with it. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And then finally go to 2 Peter 1.10. 2 Peter 1.10. 10. Diligence. That is one of the wonderful things that we might cling to in retrospect. 2 Peter 1.10. Therefore, brethren... Be all the more diligent 
to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Again, what's the point on the board? Up here on the board, this is what just got amplified in Scripture. Your diligence bears encouraging fruit. Never underestimate your impact in this world. Honorable diligence produces fruit that others may be encouraged to see. For those engaged in helping you along the way, your fruit becomes their fruit indirectly. You should remember that. All right, back to the point that precipitated that little sidebar. And again, I'm just sharing my heart with you as a function of Thursday's gathering. And just as a side note as well, for the record, it's not just Thursday that I find encouraging. It's any time I speak with one of you or hear or see one of you living for others. It's not just about Thursday. That is representative, coming together like that, having insight into your hearts. That's encouraging. Again, this is the point that precipitated that little sidebar. Even on diligence, a shepherd's delight, a teacher's vocation is a source of great delight when he sees growth in his students. A shepherd's reward is crown, is simple. It is the joy of seeing those he loves and cares for delivered. Go to Philippians 2.1. Philippians 2, verse 1. I mean, that's the goal of our instruction. If you're loving, you're delivered. It's that simple. If you're living for others, you've been delivered. If you've given up the self-life, you've been delivered. If you've let go of the details of life, you've been delivered. Philippians 2.1 Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Seeing a group like this of otherwise disparate backgrounds marching to the beat of the same drum, well, it's precious. Think about it. None of us are alike. And here we are. Same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. What a beautiful thing. That's part of the fruit of 2016. That's part of being diligent, if nothing else. We are united in spirit. People that think and love alike are a force to be reckoned with. People that think and love alike are a force to be reckoned with. A congregation like ours may be used to splinter an otherwise unified position our enemy has taken. We 
are hated. Not kind of not liked. We are hated. Despised. We all have bullseyes on our chests. Why? Because we understand the gospel. Because we know what our commission is in time. We know it's no longer about the local assembly, the church, just sitting here. Going to church is not the end goal. Satan loves churches like that. Yeah, just have them come together and they can play church for a Sunday or some other times during the week and have them go back to their little lives. He loves that model. Why? Because it's contained. There's nothing better than to contain your enemy. That's what we call a siege. (laughs) For many churches, they're contributing to a siege because nobody ever goes out. But we're going out, and we're united in spirit, and we're marching to the beat of the same drum. And that is power, and we're hated for it because we're a threat. So please be encouraged by what the Spirit's saying from this pulpit this morning. If you are here, you are meant to hear this. If you're here, then you know, or then know, that I am encouraged by you. As are others who not only hear your witness and word, but also see it in deed. For example, there's Paula. I think of Paula, who recently lost her husband, Leo. That's a big deal. And all those who have stepped into the gap and helped out. While that's not been everyone's calling, obviously, it's been good and encouraging to see those given that calling actually do their duty as unto the Lord. I'm telling you right now, there was a time in the past where nobody would have stepped up. Or the motivation may have been wrong. But I don't believe that anymore. I actually believe that those kinds of activities are happening for the right reasons now. And that makes all the difference in the world. Motivation is everything. Again, a shepherd's delight. A teacher's vocation is a source of great delight when he sees growth in his students. A shepherd's reward, his crown, is simple. It is the joy of seeing those he loves and cares for delivered. Go to Philippians 4.1. Philippians 4.1. I mean, these things are unnatural. Do you understand? It's unnatural to love this way. It's unnatural to get together. It's unnatural to fellowship the way we do. It's unnatural to such a, for such a disparate group of people to care about each other the way we do. It's unnatural. And that's 
why we know it's from Him. Because it's super natural. It's not natural. It's above natural. It's transcendent to the naturally minded individual. That's how I know. That's what I'm looking for. That's what God's seeing. So be encouraged. Philippians 4.1 Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown. My beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown. In this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. That is a shepherd's heart. Even so, just think about this, okay? Even so, and I say this... uh, with every fiber of who I am. Even so, I am merely, Paul was merely an under-shepherd to the great shepherd whose entire life was dedicated. He was born to seek and to save the lost. We don't even compare. My life doesn't even compare. Paul doesn't even, didn't even compare. So you want to talk about a shepherd's delight. This guy gave it all. And he's watching you. That's a beautiful thing. So we're just merely under shepherds. His heart is incredible. Evidence in his most famous of prayers. Go to John 17, 1. You know what I need up here? A taser. I need to like be able to taser myself. I've done all kinds of things up here without you people knowing. I've literally pinched my thigh, like really bad, like really hard. Stuck my fingernail in my thumb. I've done all kinds of thought about weird stuff. TMI? Here's our great shepherd. Let's read about his heart. What was on his heart when he thought about his sheep? What was on his heart? Well, let's read. This is a, I mean, the prayer is just beyond human comprehension, but let's read it anyways. John 17, 1, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. This is what teachers do. This is our great shepherd. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Verse 13, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This was the purpose of teaching, even. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Think of unity. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have not known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love 
with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Sorry. The question is, can you see the heart of our great shepherd in this most magnificent prayer to his father regarding his sheep? Can you see his heart? Can you imagine what he delights in? How he delights in all of you even? Sanctify them in truth. Your word is true. It gives the point on the board a whole new dimension. A shepherd's delight over here. A teacher's vocation is a source of great delight when he sees growth in his students. A shepherd's reward, his crown, is simple. It is the joy of seeing those he loves and cares for delivered. I was just reflecting on this, how I might teach it even more so. How I might summarize the things that I've seen as a shepherd that obviously he has infinitely more insight into regarding 2016. I'm always timid, frankly, about summaries because where do you start? So reflect. You might consider this prayer, the one we just read, John 17, as an accompaniment to the Great Commission. Think about that. He's the same person who sent us all out. That Great Commission that everyone was talking about from Thursday and that's in your hearts. This prayer accompanies it. Just dwell on that. I was thinking of an analogy to help. Right around a kid's 16th birthday, the topic of obtaining one's driver's license becomes top of mind. While this may conjure up all kinds of excitement and anticipation in the teenager, it is most often a different kind of anticipation stirring up in the soul of the parents. The whole idea of a driver's license is that a young person is no longer being driven around by someone else in charge. They are now taking responsibility for, quote, going out and completing some kind of a mission. I mean, that's why we get into vehicles in the first place. We go out, we get something done. Before a teenager is given this right, though, they must attend driver's ed classes, both classroom and on the road. And they are also supposed to have 40-plus hours of driving time with their driver's permit under the close supervision of an adult driver. In other words, before a person is even able to apply for their official driver's license, they must complete a somewhat rigorous course in how to drive in the first place. So the point is that preparation is key. Preparation is key before one goes out. 
So just fast forward a little bit. The teenager passes their exams and receives their driver's license. It's at this point that their parents must watch them drive out of the driveway all on their own. What they may not know is that their parents are likely already praying to God that they make it to their destination safely. While a good parent loves to watch their children grow up and become responsible adults, they still pray for their children's success and safety. Does that sound a little like the Great Commission and Jesus' prayer in John 17? It should. Who sent us out? Jesus. Who prayed for us? Jesus. Who prepared us? The Word. Jesus. When Sean gets his license in four to five months, Get off the road! Just kidding. I'll let you guys know, and you can kind of like <laughs> circumvent my home. John, shut up. When he gets his license in four to five months, I might say to him, Sean, oh, and I will, go get some milk from the convenience store. I will give him this mission based on my confidence in his preparation. And then, behind his back, Tammy and I are going to pray <laughs> like crazy that he completes this mission and returns safely. You might say, why is that the case? Well, this is the same kid who drove his bicycle to my mom's house, which is literally, I'm not kidding you, literally, is it three miles? Two miles, okay? On a bicycle, that might take 10 minutes. Okay. On the way back, you're like, where is he? He calls us from the Dighton Post Office, which is like 10 miles away. He said, when did it occur to you that you were not going in the right direction? It only took you 10 minutes to get there, but it had to have taken you 45 to get to the post office. So now you know why we pray. We're going to put him behind a car. I'm going to get phone calls. I'm in New Jersey. You were getting milk. I know. You just looked familiar. So behind his back, we're going to be praying. I can guarantee you that. But we're going to send him out. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't it just sound like Jesus? Who sent us out with the great co-mission? Jesus. Go to Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. <clears throat> Matthew 28:18 And Jesus came up to them saying, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, here's your mission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations." 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. So he gives the commission, and then he says, I'm going to be with you, therefore it becomes a co-mission, you see? Together, commission, someone gives it to you. But the idea is that he sends them out after he's trained them up. That's what a shepherd will do. And frankly, this is our mission. And if you understand the context of Matthew 28, you know that this was Jesus sending out his own sheep for a mission. But it's ours too. And just like the concerned parent in our running analogy here, Jesus prayed for the safety and success of his own. So I guess if we're going to look at 2016 and consider all that he's done in us, this might be one way to look at it. Consider the Great Commission and then consider his prayer. He's prepared us. We're going to read John 16 in a moment. He's prepared us. He sent us out. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And he's prayed for us. John 17. Just like the driver analogy. Prepare, send out, pray. <laughs> so the one passage we haven't looked at this morning is John 16, the piece on preparation. Let's read that and then we'll see what the Spirit has to say. This is going to take you some time. I hope you do take the time this afternoon and moving forward, understanding the continuity, if you would, between the Lord's heart, the fact that He is the great shepherd, that He cares about us, that He loves us in ways we can't even understand, that He doesn't want us to be um, overtaken by danger. He doesn't want us to be taken out of the world even though we're in it. He just wants to make sure that we're protected. He wants to keep on preparing you. That's why you're here this morning, isn't it? To take in the Word of God, to be prepared, to keep on being prepared, to keep on being encouraged, to keep on pressing on. You know why? Because it's hard out there. It's vicious. It's not Teletubbies. They are tough. They're like Twilight Zone Teletubbies. They have fangs and teeth and Anthony, you and I are the only ones that watch Teletubbies? And he's like, I still do. Look at the T-shirt on. <laughs> John 16, 1. How about preparation? He didn't just send us out. He said, I'm going to prepare you. Look, these things I've spoken to you, so that. Why did I teach you? So that you may be kept from stumbling. That's Preparation. So you don't drive into any mailboxes or back over people's plants. Andrea. I had this little plant. So I built a house in Berkeley. And it was really nice. Like I had like sculpted like, you know, driveway and I had like mulch and it was like these fancy plants, right? On the mulch, right? And this is what Joey and Andrew were first dating. Every time Andrew would come over, she would back over my plant. I go out there and I'm like, man, I love this kid, but he can't drive. 
So I go out there, I try to mend it. I go to Home Depot or something, get another one, plant it. Guess what? <laughs> Mash it. I mean, come on, this kid's killing me. Someone needs to prepare you as how to back up. I'm talking to your dad. Anyways. We gotta learn how to drive, don't we? The spiritual life. We gotta learn how to do the Great Commission. We gotta be prepared to go outside of these four walls. Verse two. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that, again, preparation, so that when, the hour, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Think of the gospel. It's about the Lord, it's about a person. They do not believe in me. They knew who he was, as we discussed on Thursday. They even knew he was the Messiah. And they still said, no, thank you. You're taking away our lives. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged I have many more things to say to you, but, I, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth, preparation. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of Mine and will disclose it to you. Preparation. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Some of his disciples then said to one another, What is this thing he is telling us a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. So they were saying, What is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wished to question him, and he said to them, Are you deliberating together about this that I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again in a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain, because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too, you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. 
Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again, and going to the Father. His disciples said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly, and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things, and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming, and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Again, in light of all that we've been prepared to do over this past year, this most memorable of years, 2016, in light of the Spirit's emphasis on the Great Commission, and in light of our Lord's precious prayer to our Father, may we reflect on what is on the board. He prepared us, John 16. He sent us out, Matthew 28, 18-20, and He's prayed for us, John 17. And as I alluded to earlier, I encourage you to go home today and read John 16 and 17 back to back. We read them in reverse order. Read John 16 and 17. It's going to take you, what, a total of 10 minutes? Do it. And think about what you see on the board. And think about 2016 and all the wonderful things that he's done in all of us. So just reflecting in closing. To me, 2016 has been about simplifying our lives. It's been about letting go of the vestiges of the self-life. And it's been about grabbing hold of the Great Commission as a function of securing the gospel of Jesus Christ in our souls. It's been a privilege to stand behind this pulpit and watch what the love of God can accomplish in a world that hates Him. So I thank you all for witnessing to me and to those around you and to those even beyond these four walls. Thank you. May 2017 be nothing short of miraculous. For what greater miracle is there than a lost soul being found? That a wretched person being, or then a wretched person being humbled 
in the presence of the sovereign God of the universe and being saved. What greater miracle is there than for Jesus himself to wrap his loving arms around yet another person and say, I love you. You are mine now. And I'm never, ever, ever letting you go. That's a miracle. Play the video.
Uh, can you get the elements, please, for communion service? Thank you, gentlemen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of his person. Let's eat the bread. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the cup in remembrance of his work. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's bow our heads and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning's message, for loving us so much that you would give it to us. Thank you for keeping it simple. Thank you for keeping it straight in our souls. Thank you for preparing us. Thank you, Lord, for ordaining the great commission on our lives that we might enjoy some of the good labor that your Son began and taught his own disciples. Thank you for 
everything that you've done for us. It's overwhelming, Father, at times. Thank you for revealing to us that your grace, your love, your compassion, your faithfulness, your loving kindness, your peace, these are all promises that are real. Thank you for reconciling us to yourselves, to yourself. Father, we just pray that 2017 be miraculous. That we persevere in the face of opposition. That we continue in the unity of the faith, encouraging each other as we go out. as we live no longer for ourselves, but esteem others even as more important. This is the example that your Son, our Lord and Savior, gave us. This is how he prepared us. Now that we're prepared, Father, we just pray. We pray for the Spirit's guidance. We pray for discernment regarding his conviction. We pray most of all that we abide in your love. For we love because you first loved us. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ. Precious name, by the power of the Spirit, we do so. Amen. Thank you.